Welcome to the Absite Smackdown Podcast. We'll talk clinical scenarios, Absite facts, and interesting general surgery knowledge. Now, let's get to it. Hey guys, it's me, Jess, your host of Absite Smackdown Podcast. With me, as always, Dr. David Kashmir. And today we have a special guest, Dr. Michael Breiner. Hello. Hi, Jessica. It's good to be with you today. And um, to my colleague, Dr. Michael Breiner, it's good to see you again. Thank you. And I'm proud to introduce um, my colleague, Dr. Breiner. Michael Breiner is the chair of surgery at the Edward Via College of Osteopathic Medicine in Virginia. He has an extensive breadth of knowledge and education on what we're talking about today. So it's really good to have him on. And Jess, if you don't mind for the listeners, I'll run down some of those uh, CV bullet points because I think it really adds to the talk today. Um, Dr. Breiner completed his plastic surgical education at Baylor and then went on to complete a cosmetics and aesthetics fellowship that uh, rotated between several clinical sites, including Miami, uh, Harvard, and Louisville. And he ended up working, as he fondly says, uh, back at Baylor, where Dr. DeBakey was briefly his boss. And so, as usual in medicine, we see so many connections about things, but I couldn't be happier uh, to work with Dr. Briner and to have him on the podcast today with you, Jess. It's just, it's a great day. Awesome. Well, welcome, Dr. Briner. We're so excited to have you today and especially to talk about your book, um, which is Management of Facial Lacerations. And um, Dr. K says it's really good, which I trust him <laughs> on, on his opinion, obviously. And what's great about it is, um, from what I've understood, that a lot of times when people come in with facial wax, um, it's hard to do it and it gets pushed to plastic surgeons. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So basically um, the reason I wrote this book is, um, and Dr. Casimir will tell you that more and more surgeons and particularly specialists are leaving the rural areas. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes family doctors, emergency room physicians are faced with simple and sometimes complex facial lacerations that they just do not feel comfortable in repairing. Um, and what they have to do is they have to either pack up their child or pack up whoever has this laceration on the face, put them in the car sometimes in the middle of the night in rural areas and drive three to four hours to get to a general surgeon or a specialist to suture something that they just don't feel comfortable suturing. So um, when I first came to Edward Via College of Osteopathic Medicine, I realized and, and I know that one of our biggest charges is to help the underserved community. And we're not helping the underserved community when we're sending them to medical centers when these physicians, primary care and ER physicians, if taught properly, can suture up these lacerations on their own. So I decided to write a book. So the first challenge of my book was how was I going to illustrate these facial lacerations? I mean, I have done just about every facial laceration in the world, but you're not going to come in and there's some screaming kid and you're going to say, hey, mom, do you mind if I take pictures and, and take four hours to close up this laceration because I'm writing a book? 
No, that's ridiculous. So I also teach an anatomy lab. So I thought, wow, I have all these fresh cadavers that I can use to illustrate in a step-by-step fashion how to completely repair just about any facial facial laceration that an ER doctor or family practitioner would face. And so I had a uh, professional medical illustrator who was in the medical school, um, who is now, I think, her third or fourth year general surgery residency. The Absite Smackdown podcast is going live. Reserve your seat for our upcoming live Absite review conference. Can't travel? On call? No problem. This online conference is recorded so you can catch up anytime. Reserve your spot by visiting us at AbsiteSmackdown.com and selecting latest news for more information. She applied professional makeup to these cadavers and we blacked out the cadaver's eyes and they look like a real person. And so then I created multiple facial lacerations on these cadavers. I created them on the ear, the forehead, eyebrow, many different facial lacerations on the nose, many different type of lacerations on the lip. And I showed um, in my book a step-by-step approach by using the cadavers and taking pictures step-by-step from A to Z, how to repair these simple, the complex lacerations. So now they should be comfortable, if they have this book, to be able to complete those repairs in a perfectly professional way and not not send these patients three to four hours down the road or have to wait eight hours because Dr. Kashmir is in the surgery. And, um, and so it, it, it really is a, really is an interesting book. And, and it, it was a breakthrough for me. Well, and I'll tell you just to echo some of that um, there. We, I see a lot of books uh, just as part of the work that I do and, and Jessica and the team, part of the work you have me do. I get to see a lot of books, and there's clearly a need for something like this. As Dr. Briner said, we see surgeons sort of graying out of the market in rural centers, and there's really nobody to help these people with these important issues besides the our ER colleagues or primary care physicians or similar staff. So there's clearly a need for this, uh, just as Dr. Briner said. But I'll tell you what really makes it such an interesting project and now textbook to me is the use of these um, uh, moulaged cadavers, these uh, cadavers that are set up to really be able to drive home exactly what these lacerations look like in the real world or as close as we can get with a cadaver model. To me, that's a real difference maker. I think what's so useful about it is a lot of textbooks will show a cartoon and say, well, the parotid duct's kind of here and, you know, sort of how you look for the laceration. But what's so interesting to me about how this book is done and what's so clear about it is you can absolutely see it, and it's just done in such a unique way. So I'm really glad to be able to talk about today. I think there's a strong need for this, and I also think that the way it's done is really very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And so can you guys educate me just a little bit? You were saying in these rural, rural centers are having to send them. So um, 
most surgeons aren't in the rural centers. Is that what I'm understanding? No, Jessica, just to pick up on what uh, Michael was saying, the, the issue is they're not, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, the trouble we're seeing in uh, in residency programs and beyond is that uh, residents are finishing and often not going to fill the general surgical positions in rural centers. Mm-hmm. And that's why rural surgery, or um, you may call it uh, sometimes global surgery if it's worldwide, uh, or that that type of model is being pushed so much now. Because just like Mike said, our surgical colleagues are leaving rural areas and really nobody's coming to replace them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and e- even if there is a general surgeon, they may or may not feel comfortable repairing a facial laceration. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they would if they read this book. Um, but also, also if a rural... Appalachian or anywhere, um, even even in Florida or in Auburn, mm-hmm. even if a rural area has a is lucky enough to have a general surgeon, they're only on call at most one out of three nights, mm-hmm. and that's all they can take call. Okay, mm-hmm. and so that means even if the hospital has a general surgeon, there's a two out of three chance that that general surgeon it's not going to be on call. Right. Yeah. So, so just as Michael says, the issue is either you don't have a general surgeon, you have one who's not on call, you have one who's not comfortable repairing it, uh, or any combination of the three line up. And unfortunately, what we see is uh, whether, whether it's children or people with complex facial lacerations, just like Michael said, they get packaged up and transported long distances often to see either a plastics colleague or someone who is comfortable uh, with the repair. Sometimes they even get a helicopter ride uh, mm-hmm. out of it for a facial laceration. It's a really challenging situation. And so there's such a need for a book like this. Uh, and beyond that, the way it's delivered is really very innovative uh, for content. That, that's uh, that's how I found it to be. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. You mentioned earlier, so you did your residency at Baylor, was that correct? Yeah, uh, my plastic surgery residency, yes. Right. So you know, Texas is so large. I'm sure when you were there, did you get, as a resident, did you have a lot of them being shipped in then or helicoptered in when you were at Baylor? The Absite Smackdown Podcast, bringing you the best of your Absite review. Yes, at the Texas Medical Center, we saw everything. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Well, speaking of residency, so just to go down down that pathway a little bit, we love every time we have a new doctor on to talk a little bit about their residency and their experience, just to bring it back for all of our listeners, because you know most of our listeners are residents. They're here studying for their absite. They're here just getting knowledge, learning from the doctors that we have on. Would you mind just showing, sharing a little bit about what your experience was as a resident when you were first in, um, what it was like when you came in as your first year, um, just for all of our listeners out there, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. So I'll tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. Yes. <laughs> we don't like so, to share ugly, so I love when you guys do. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm thinking, Dr. Casimir, you're probably a little bit younger than I am. I'm not quite sure, but... You know, I started off, I did four years of general surgery at the University, University of South Florida. Um, and back then, you had to do general surgery before you can matriculate into plastic surgery. So um, I love general surgery. 
Um, it, uh, I, I really enjoyed the experience. It's just that we were working, what, David, 110 hours a week back then, mm. you know, um, but now it's changed. Um, now they have limits on the hours. Um, and uh, every year, uh, I've been chair of surgery now, when I'm my eighth year, seven or eighth year. Every year, we have more and more students that are interested in going into general surgery mm-hmm. because at first they not they don't think they want to, and then they rotate with someone like Dr. Kashmir, and they fall in love with it. Um, and then I went into my plastic surgery residency, and that was just the greatest experience of my life. And um, you know, it's it's one thing to it's great to save a person that's had a gunshot wound to their heart. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's a great feeling. But I tell you what's even a greater feeling is watching the mother and father see their child with a cleft lip and palate smile for the first time. Yeah. And that's what got me hooked on plastic surgery. Yeah. That's, that's a good feeling. That's it awesome. is. So, Dr. Okay. K, you're over there repairing the bullet holes to the chest. He's making a baby <laughs> smile. Everybody, I have a good team here. <laughs> everybody has their thing. Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you, I uh, I uh, have not had the extensive experience Dr. Briner has clearly with uh, plastics and reconstruction, and, mm-hmm. and yet I hear that echoed across colleagues how fulfilling it can be in moments like that. And and just like Michael said, you know, despite the hours uh, that we trained when we came through. Um, there is something about that moment, uh, whether you're uh, temporizing a bullet hole in the heart or, uh, you know, an ED thoracotomy survives. It's it's often not that dramatic, tell you the truth. Those are uh, moments that are pretty unusual in trauma, but do happen. Um, or my favorite, the kidney turns pink or the liver turns pink uh, after it was just in a you know bucket of ice being back tabled. Yeah. Um, just really, those are amazing moments and they do keep us going as surgeons. Uh, and they do kind of remind us uh, that the training can be challenging sometimes now in modern ways, different, mm-hmm. different uh, ch- uh, challenges than we had. Um, but I'll just share that uh, Mike and I can both uh, share that there is some moment that really got us through uh, what we did. And I suspect for many trainees nowadays, it's much the same. Right. So you guys both were in the days before the 80 hour work week. <laughs> You don't even have yes. to say your age. You can just say that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. So um, that was so interesting. I guess I didn't realize that um, you had to do, that you did general surgery before you did plastics. I didn't know. I didn't realize that was a thing. So. Yeah. Back then you did. Now you you match right out from medical school. That must be nice. Yeah, that we have combined programs now, Jessica, where you will do a portion. You'll be accepted into a program. Uh, you'll do a portion of general surgical training and then go on uh, mm-hmm. to complete your plastics training. And um, they were adopting that model across many subspecialties. Uh, vascular has some programs that are similar. Plastics. And really, uh, in general, we thought the American College of Surgeons was going to adopt that across all subspecialties. Hasn't quite gone that way, uh, right. but there's still a lot of talk that um, more and more people are going to that model. Uh, and then the people who go into what sort of used to be considered general surgery, it, it is often called uh, abdominal general surgery or something similar. 
with sort of a bit of a different name. So very interesting how the training models have changed with time. The Absite Smackdown podcast is based on the best-selling review book, Absite Smackdown. The only Absite review with an entire video review course included. Visit AbsiteSmackdown.com and pick it up today. Right. Well, I did find it in- interesting, Dr. Briner said about, you know, when you get certain doctors in there and the students fall in love. Um, I do know, like, so, you know, you're both chairs of surgery at your school, so... Do you feel like being around these students and spending time with them, you've influenced them to want to be in surgery because of your love for surgery? Is that I sure? I sh- yeah, I sure try. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of arm bending, and then once they do their <laughs> surgery rotation or third year, they're hooked. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, uh, Jessica, my approach is I design a pathway to bring them along and develop them if they want to do it. Um, I do think it requires a lot of intrinsic motivation to get through all the hoops. Some of the hoops are very different than uh, what Michael and I experienced, but there's, they're no less arduous. Uh, the time commitment in terms of on-campus training hours may be different, but there's just still a ton of stuff nowadays that goes into the making of the modern surgeon. Very different than what Michael and I encountered, I think. Right. So I'll share that my approach is a little different. I try to give them a pathway a pathway for the very motivated to want to do it because I think you need that intrinsic motivation uh, as you go along or else you're not able to kind of get through it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and like Michael said, when they see it, when they get to their clinical years, yeah, they often really, um, really demonstrate an interest in it. Then. Yeah. And we've said before, they need that honeymoon period. They need to be crazy in love to be able to get through it, to get into surgery, you know, to feel passionate about it. So. And that's the nice thing about AppSite Smackdown. It just really prepares the student, and um, it, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool that I wish I had going right. through um, general surgery. I mean, I've been looking at it more and more every year, and the students enjoy it, um, and I learn things, too, and right. that's how up-to-date it is. So yeah. we're very lucky to have that for our students to be able to learn more. And um, it's just, it's really brilliant. It's brilliantly done. That is a compliment to you, Dr. K. (laughs) Well, I mean, Jessica, you guys took a lot of raw uh, content and format and really brought it along. So I think you guys and the editorial team and the team of co-authors have brought a long way. And, uh, you know, can't say enough to Michael, except for thank you for that. And I'm looking forward because I think, what you guys have done is made the content in a way that's really accessible. Mm-hmm. And I think the upcoming conference, which I think you're going to get to probably in a minute. Well, cause um, Dr. Briner is going to be a speaker. Did you know? Oh, great. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> See you there. Okay. Well, I think, yes. I think de- delivering the content in that way um, where even people working at night can have access to it. Mm-hmm. They can watch it again later. No travel, reasonable price. Like Michael said, it's, the whole idea is to do something I wish I had when I was a resident. And um, my hope is uh, people take it that way. Right. I completely agree. Both created things that are super helpful that you wish you would have had when you were younger. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the goal to leave that legacy, to make things better for the next generation, to make better doctors. And that's what you're both trying to do with your books, which I think is great. So, um, 
again, thank you so much for being on today, Dr. Briner. If you guys want to see him again, he will be one of our speakers at our conference, which again is September 10th, 11th, and 12th. If you want more info, go to www.appsitesmackdown.com. Um, Dr. K, anything else that you wanted to mention? No, um, I'm sure you guys are going to have the links beneath uh, to yes. uh, Dr. Thank Michael you. Briner's book, and it's always good to see him. Uh, especially when we're not in a work meeting. It's fantastic. Um, right? And I, I can't say enough, if you have a minute, check out on Amazon and click that link because it's a really kind of innovative delivery of surgical content for something that's really necessary. My hope is that staff who treat these complex lacerations will use it because there's a need for it. And I think it's really going to help people both with the content and the way it's done. It is. I'm just sad we didn't publish it. I didn't know yeah. him. But now I know him. His next book, you know, I'm going to be going hard to get him to publish with us instead to be on our team, in healthcare lab. So, anyways, thank you guys both so much for being on. Um, and I, of course, I'm going to see you soon. But as always, guys, do not forget hashtag Absite Smackdown. Get more Absite content in your daily routine. Visit us on Instagram at daily.absite.fact, on Facebook at Absite Smackdown, or LinkedIn at Absite Smackdown. And you can catch the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any place you listen to your favorites. Don't forget our YouTube channel, Absite Smackdown.